Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right, well, we're starting a series, or not, it's about something. Um, I don't know, I didn't really, I just thought I'd get up here and wing it today, and no, absolutely not. No, we're starting a series called Prepared, and we're going to be talking about how to stand in the tro- through the storms of life. And really, preparation changes everything. If you're not prepared, oh, you're just in trouble. It, it, it's just like, oh, no. We went, um, we're out on a boat, and uh, we get in the boat, and I'm driving the boat, and we're going to go skiing. And so the the skiers on the dock, I've got the spotter in with me, and we take off. Well, it takes a little bit, you know, because you're kind of putting around, the skiers got to get ready, and you're throwing them the rope, and you want to like not hit them with it, but it's fun to get it close to them, but you're throwing them the rope, and, and they're getting ready, and they get to the, and you take off. Well, we take off, and I'm driving the boat, and we're cruising down the lake, and the skiers back there is going back and forth, and you know, I'm doing the driver thing where you look forward, and I'm like, well, the boat feels a little funny. And I look in the back of the boat, and there's water. And I'm like, that's no good. And I'm like, I know exactly what happened. It's a boat, right? It's meant to go in the water. This is what it is supposed to do. But that night, we had taken it out, and we had removed the plug. And the plug of this particular boat, it was a ski boat. So the motor is actually in the middle of the boat, and the plug is underneath the motor in the middle. And sure enough, I look over and I see it's got this little T-handle on it and the plug is sitting in the cup holder. And I'm like, oh no. Now the boat is designed to go in water, like this is what it is supposed to do. But I didn't prepare the boat beforehand and because I didn't prepare the boat, that one simple thing would sink the boat. Like it would sink the boat. And I'm like, I know exactly what to do. So yes, we solved the problem. We told the skier, I was like, let go of the handle. We're like, hey, let go. And and she let go. And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're leaving you. And we just took off down the lake. And I'm like, if I go fast enough, it's going to suck the water out. I saw that somewhere. So we just got it. (laughs) So we're going like 44, 45 mile an hour down the lake. And I'm like, okay. I tell the spotter, I'm like, you take the wheel. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got long arms. We got to get underneath the motor. So we open up the engine cover and that belt is just... I'm like, oh, this is really fun. We reach in, put my arm down there, screw that thing in there, and then we stop and we're fine. But here's the thing. Boats are made for water. But when it's not prepared properly, it will still sink. It will still sink. And so we're going to look at how to stand through the storms of life. Because here's the thing. We're going to have storms and stuff come in our life. And maybe you're like, really? Really? You know, I just want to be encouraged. That doesn't sound very positive. Well, here, I'm positive that storms are going to come. It's it's just a part of life. And so we're really going to look at what the Bible has to say and how we stand in storms. And really, Matthew 7 is where we're going to start. This is Jesus talking, and he's talking about a storm. Matthew 7, verse 24, this is what he says. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice... Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 25, the rain came down, the storms rose, the wind blew against the house, yet it did not fall because its foundation was on the rock. 
verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the stream rose, and the wind blew against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, here's the thing. Looking at that story, looking at what Jesus just said there, what made the house fall? Was it the storm? Because both houses went through the storm. So the storm is not what made that house fall. It was the foundation that made the house fall. One was ready, in essence, and the other was not. If you're not ready, if you are not prepared, it can ruin really fun things, just not being prepared. We went camping as kids. We went out to the, the Wyoming Bighorn Mountains. It's really, really fun time, except one thing. We went in the summer, and it was warm here in Michigan, and we got there, and it was like cold, and at night, it got really, really cold at night. So we were going to bed with layers and layers of clothes on because we were out camping, so, like, literally, we put all kinds of clothes on. My mom's like, here, just put another pair of pants on. Here's your dad's pants. Put those on and crawl in the sleeping bag. You boys share sleeping bags. And you're like, okay, awkward. And it was, it was ridiculous. I remember my dad, he, for months afterwards, looked like he shaved his legs because he singed all the hair off of his legs trying to get warm by the fire. He's rotating around like this, just burning hair. We're like, dad, he's like, I'm so cold. We were not prepared. We were not prepared. Somebody else in that exact same weather, had we had different, the right gear, we'd be just fine. I went and climbed, several years ago, climbed, climbed uh, Pikes Peak in January. There was snow. The signs kind of giving us the way to go, they were under the snow. It was like 10, 11 feet of snow. We were just fine. We had snowshoes. We had the right gear. Granted, I did not realize that in high altitude and snow, like the sun is actually really bad. And so in that sense, I wasn't prepared. I ended up like getting sunburn on my face. And we rode an Amtrak there and back. So I rode a train back and my face was just like all puffy and like blistery. I looked so bad, so bad. And then I got snow blindness. I didn't realize that part of it. And like literally, it was so bad. We were sleeping in the car that night and we're going to take the train the next morning. And I wake up, because I'm in a car sleeping, which never works. It's just a horrible idea anyways. So I wake up, and my buddy turns on the car to see what time it is. And when the little clock in the dash turned on, it felt like someone was just taking knives and like throwing them at my eyes. It hurt so bad. So in that sense, I wasn't prepared, and eventually it went away. And I can see, like, I see you guys, like, ah. But it was bad. It, and that I wasn't prepared. But the snow... It does not have to be that big of a deal. And storms in life, the ones that knock us down, really are the ones that we're not prepared for. And so we're going to look at what it is to really be prepared. Like we look, and in verse 25 we see that the first house did not fall because of where its foundations were. So let's look at this and let's look at where our foundation is. I think the first thing to having a strong foundation when it comes to storms is this, is do not look at storms as an indicator of God's will. I think often, often Christians run up against trouble and they're like, well, it must not be God. I better go over here. And they literally, without thinking about it, they subscribe to the philosophy that God leads us 
down the path of least resistance. And they're like, well, if God's in it, it, should, it shouldn't it just kind of be easy? Shouldn't it, shouldn't it be easy? And that's the way that they want it to be. I think a great illustration of this is in Mark. And Jesus and his disciples, they're out teaching, and they, they finish. And Jesus says to his disciples in verse 45, he says, okay, you guys get in the boat and go to the other side of the lake. You guys go over there. I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to pray. So let's just look at what Jesus just did. He just told his disciples to do something, and they're doing it. I would think that they're like, these disciples are like right in the will of God, right? Jesus just told them, get in the boat and go, and they're doing it. He even told them like how to get there. He's like, get in the boat and go. Okay, Jesus goes up on the mountainside to pray. Verse 47, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw his disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Now, I know many Christians that right then and there would just be like turning around. They're like, well, this did not work out. Because really what they think is this. If God wanted me to do it, I'd get in that boat, and the wind would just spin around. The sail might even just jump up on the boat all by itself, and the wind would just fill that thing, and I would sit back, and I'd just grab that rudder, and we would just steer right to the other side of the light because the wind would just take me there because that's what God wants me to do. But that doesn't happen. And just because we run into resistance and storms and things in our lives and there's opposition does not mean that that is God trying to redirect us. Well, my boss is just, it's, it's just horrible. You know, the grace has just left. I can't work here anymore. We look at, and so often we look at our circumstance and we say, well, is that or was that God? But this, it's so clear the disciples were doing exactly what God wanted them to do, exactly what God wanted them to do, and that there was still opposition. There was opposition. And then it says this about Jesus. So, in Mark 6, verse 48, it says, about the fourth watch of the night, he, Jesus, went out to them walking on the lake, and he was about to pass them by. I find that, ver- that little part right there just, just hilarious. He's like, oh, they're in the boat? That's great. I'm, I'm, already, I'm already walking on water. I'm just going to keep right on going. And then it says this, but they saw him walking on the lake. They thought he was a, gross, a ghost, and they cried out. And we know from other accounts of this in Matthew that they cried out to Jesus. And then he went and helped them. So here's another thing. Just because we're in a storm doesn't mean that God is going to automatically come in and help us. We have to cry out just like the disciples did. Jesus was going to pass them by. He saw exactly what was going on. He sees them straining at the oars. He sees the storm. We know from the other gospels that the waves were big. They were big enough because Paul gets out and Peter and he's sinking and So we know that this was quite the storm. But he was going to pass them by until they're like, hey, they cry out to God. When we are in storms, we need to cry out to God. Something is coming. We need to cry out to God. God's will, and this really kind of leads us to, to the next point, which is God's will in our life is not automatic. Don't sit back on autopilot and be like, well, it's just going to happen. If God wants it to happen, it's going to. Jesus was going to walk right by these guys. 
well, if God wants it better, it'll just happen. That is not what the Bible teaches. In fact, in John chapter 7, verse 16, Jesus is talking and he says this, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. It says this, if anybody chooses to do my will, turn to the person next to you and say, it's your choice. All right, turn to the other person next to you and say, it's your choice too. Okay, this is what he says. He says, if anybody chooses to do God's will, if you have a choice in it, then it's not automatic. If it's not automatic for you, it's not automatic for you or you or you or you or me. And when we look at storms and we look at life and we say, well, God is controlling this and he's making this happen, we sit down. We sit down, we don't fight, we don't do anything. We don't stand up. And really, if God is controlling everything, then please, do not patch that hole in your roof. Don't do it. If God's controlling everything, then why go to work? You'll either get paid or you won't. Like, it's just, if God's controlling everything, don't go to the doctor, don't get prayed for. If God is controlling everything, then don't. Just, just don't, because it'll, it'll, if it's going to happen, it'll just happen. But what we see here is that if you choose to do God's will, I think this is one of the biggest the devil's just, just greatest tool that he uses. I really do. So, Becca and I, we have five kids. We have, we have 12, 11, 8, 7, and 3. Now, my three-year-old, he loves to wrestle. He absolutely loves to wrestle. And his favorite thing to do is for me to sleep. So, I'll lay down on the ground, and I, and I close my eyes, and I pretend to sleep. But I have to keep an eye open. Because if I do not... He likes to climb up on things, so he climbs up on it, and then he jumps. And the way he jumps is he doesn't jump feet first, he jumps knees first. It's, it's little knees, and he just jumps, and it's like, ah! And, and he doesn't jump on my stomach, which is so hard, so it would be totally fine, totally fine. No, 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 he likes to jump on my face. Like, this is just like, and sit on my face. This is just what he does. Now, I love wrestling with him. And I can catch him, and it's like, whoa, whoa, buddy, let's not do that. And, and don't jump off the top of the piano. How'd you get up there so fast anyways? And, and, and however, if I was to let him, he would destroy me. He would absolutely, dis he's three years old. Okay, but he would destroy me if I let him. I would have like black eyes and like be missing an ear. And, and oh, it would, it would just be awful if I let him. If I let him. And here's the deal. When we subscribe to this idea, this thought, that God is controlling everything, you know what we do not do? Is we never fight back against the devil. We don't fight back against the devil. James 4, 7 says this. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When we do not, when we subscribe to the goal, God's controlling, he's, he's using this. And here's the deal. God can use all things for good. Yes, he can. If we submit to his will in it and we do it his way, we can get out. However, part of that, if we want to do it God's way, is he says, resist the devil and he will flee. We have to resist the devil. 
If we're assuming, well, this is God trying to teach me something, and yes, God can teach you something through what you're going through. But I think the first lesson you need to learn is resist the devil and he will flee. And that's what it says. If we don't do anything, it's like me laying down, pretending to be asleep, and my three-year-old, who I can easily subdue, I can grab him by a leg, hold him upside down, and just eat with the other hand. It's like, it's, he's three. It's no biggie. It's okay. It's easy. But if I let him, he would destroy me. And let me just say, the devil, if you let him, will destroy you. John 10.10, 10, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy That's what he's here for. If you let him, that's what he'd like to do. Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. If we let him, and the way that we let him is just by doing the whole, well, you know, God's going to teach me something, or it'll just happen. If God wants it to change, it'll change. We just read, it says, the person who wants to know what my will is, they will choose to do my will. They'll find out. If they choose to do it, you have that choice. You have that choice. God gave us that choice choice. Storms in life are going to come. And here's the deal. You cannot pray so much that they never happen. Storms are not a result of you not praying, well, I didn't pray enough if I had prayed four hours or three hours or two minutes more or whatever it was. If I had read a little bit more, if I had fasted this, then none of this would have happened. No. No, no, no. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee. John 16, says it this way, I have told you these things so that you may have peace because in this world you will have trouble. Instagram that verse. Put that one on your fridge. In this world you'll have trouble. I've never seen that in anybody's refrigerator. I've never walked over and been like, oh, there it is. They'll have trouble. Yeah, just claiming that one, just having fun. But it's there. And here's what I'm saying is there's not a point where we spiritually outgrow opposition. In fact, I think the opposite is true. Jesus said this. He says, woe to you if everybody speaks good of you. Jesus came. He was the son of God. Did he do anything wrong? No. Did he do anything to offend anybody? Well, yeah, but it wasn't wrong what he did. And yet, did everybody love him? No. They killed him. They killed him because people didn't like that people liked him more than they liked him. Them. There. If you followed that, good for you. If not, get the podcast, rewind, fast forward, you'll figure it out. But there it is. Is they were still, they were not happy with it. But if we say, this is God trying to teach me, and we say, this is God controlling all of this, and he's controlling everything, God is all-powerful. Yes, he is. But he has set in motion laws of gravity, both natural laws and spiritual laws, and we need to know what those laws are and to follow them. And one of them is resist the devil and he will flee. You will have trouble in this life. But Jesus says, but well, I have overcome the world. We can overcome the devil. We have to resist the devil, but we will never resist him. We'll never resist the devil if we just say, well, God's controlling everything. God's controlling everything. And you're like, well, what about Job? What about Job? What does it say in Job? The end of Job, Job says this about a lot of what he says. It is an account of what happened, not prescriptive of how many of us, how we need to see our problems. And in Job, at the end, he says, woe to me, for I have spoken of things that I do not understand. And in the end, he comes back to God and he cries out to God again. 
You look, and at the beginning of Job, there's sacrifices, and there's all this going on, and then it stops, and then he cries back out to God and begins to sacrifice and to call out to God again. Well, Jesus is our sacrifice, and he's already done that for us. So that is done. And the Bible says, we talked about it last week, the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. So resisting the devil is something that all of us need to do and to be a part of because trouble is going to come. It is going to come. But the number one thing we have to remember, John 10, 10, good God, bad devil. (laughs) If it's good, it's from God. If it's not, it's from the devil, and let's learn how to resist it. Now, here's the thing. I am not saying that everything that has ever gone wrong in your life is the devil. Becca found this little saying the other day, and she says, you know, bad things happen for a reason. Sometimes that reason is because I made a dumb choice. <laughs> like, everything happens for a reason, but sometimes that reason is me, and it's my choices. I do not believe that there's a demon behind every single rock. I might look, but there's, I, don't, I don't believe that. However, I want to stand, and I'm going to resist the devil, and I'm going to say, okay, if this, if this is demonic, Satan, you have no place here, and I'm going to do what I know to do in the natural to fix this. Absolutely. And the number one way, we're going to take the last few minutes, this is what we're going to talk about, is how do we then resist the devil? If we resist the devil and he flees, then how? How do we resist the devil? Well, two things in there. When it says resist the devil and he will flee from you, you need to be the one resisting the devil. You need to stand up. Not grandma, not mom, you Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say resist the devil and a bunch of angels will come in and that's what will take care of everything for you. No, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. So you need to be actively doing this. But here's how we resist the devil. Jesus came and he was both fully God and fully man. And as we look, it also says that Jesus was led into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, he was hungry. I think that's like the most obvious verse in the Bible. Like, really? I'd have been hungry after day one. Anyways, after 40 days, he was fasting. He's hungry. Also, that the Satan came to him and tempted him. And the first thing that Satan did is come to him and say, if you are the son of God, turn these stones to bread. He's hungry. So he's throwing out, hey, This is something that's going to satisfy a need that you have. And he challenges them if you are the son of God. It's one of those like double negative things. Like what's he supposed to say? Like if I am the son of God, I am the son of God, so I should do it. Or I say no, but then am I saying no, I'm not the son of God? It's one of those tricky little like manipulative ones that people say that and you're like, oh, I know what he's doing. He's trying to manipulate. That's exactly what the devil's doing. But guess what Jesus did? Jesus, what he did, I love what he didn't do. What he didn't do is he didn't pull the God card and be like, I'm the son of God, go away. He didn't do that. He didn't go, I'm the son of God, hold on, boom, and like flick the devil. He didn't do that. Jesus resisted the devil the same way that we resist the devil. And this is what he said. And let's just, let's just go to it right here. Um, in Mark chapter 4, I don't have the notes up there, so we won't go to it right there. But Mark chapter 4 is where you find this account. And this is what Jesus says. He says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus resisted the devil 
by using Scripture. He said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. And then Satan takes him away from there. Satan takes him away, takes him up to a high point. And on the temple, he says, then Satan says, throw yourself down. And then this is the crazy part. Satan said, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you that you would not strike your foot against a stone, but they would pick you up. Satan knows Scripture. You ever think about that? I hope he doesn't know more than you. Satan knows Scripture. But Jesus looks at him and says, again, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the third, third and final test, Satan takes him to a high point, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. Satan says, these are mine, and I will give them to you if you will worship me. All you have to do is bow down to me. And Jesus, a third time, resists the devil, and he says the same thing. He says, it is written. You will serve no other God. You'll put no other gods before me. And then Satan left. But it says then, Satan left for a more opportune time. I think that part there is just crazy, that he was going to come back. He's like, all right, you got me beat now, I'll leave. But here's what we see in that. That's how we resist the devil. We resist the devil the exact same way that Jesus did. He's given us the same tool. It's the Word of God. That is that foundation. Jesus was talking. That's the foundation that we use. If we want to be prepared, that is what we need to do. We need to be prepared to resist the devil by knowing what the Word of God is, by knowing how to find the answers that we're looking for in the Word of God, whether it's because we're being attacked by fear or, we, or, or finances or our marriage is under attack or our family is under attack or we're just, whatever it is, we need to be able to know how to find that in the Word of God so we can resist the devil. So we can, we can say, no, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. I'm not going to walk in fear. Satan, you have no place here. Absolutely not. We need to know what those verses are so that we can resist the devil the same way, the exact same way that Jesus did. That's how we do it. It's the same way. The Bible talks about Satan, and it compares him to a lion. And it says this, that he roams around seeking whom he may devour. Now, when I was in, I want to say it was, it was either second or fourth grade. I'm not sure exactly which one it was. But I'm in class, and, and I raised my hand, and the teacher's like, what is it, Samuel? And I said, may I go to the bathroom? And she's like, I don't know, may you? And I'm like, I gotta go, may I go to the bathroom? And she again, she's like, well, I don't know, may you? And this happens like three or four times, and finally I just put my hand down, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And, and I pee myself in the, ba- in, in the classroom. I'm like, I don't know. And she's like, well, really what you wanted to say, oh, I did that backwards. I did it backwards, and all you, some of you guys are like, I didn't know it was backwards from the beginning, you got that wrong. What I asked was, can I? What I asked was, can I go to the bathroom? And she was laughing at me. And she says, I don't know, can you? And then I ended up going to the bathroom. We're just rewinding that whole story. Because it was such a good illustration. So she says, you know, and he, I think it was a horrible way to try to teach me. However, I do remember. I do remember the mean teacher that made me pee my pants in class. 
And now I'm like, no. I, I tell my kids, if you really have to go to the bathroom, I don't care what the teacher says. You get up and you go. Because it happened to me twice. I was way too obedient. Anyways, the gym teacher did the same thing. But it was because we were frozen and he didn't know my hand was frozen in the air. It wasn't. I was like, I don't know about Anyways, traumatized, as you can tell. Totally. But here's the deal. The difference between can and may. May is you're asking permission. Can is do you have the ability. And this is what it says about the devil, that he's roams around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's seeking permission. It doesn't say who he can, it's who he may. We have to let him. We have to let him. If we lay down, if we just say, well, whatever's going to be, he's going to be. I don't know. God's going to teach me something from this. The devil just walks by and he's like, I get to have a heyday. I get to do whatever I want in here. They're not going to resist. They're not going to get me out of here. We can throw whatever we want at these guys. They'll just take it all. Don't do it. Don't do it. Resist the devil. As we look through and you see the armor of God, there is one offensive weapon given, one. And it's the Word of God. And specifically, when it says the Word of God, it says the rhema of God, which is literally the spoken Word. So here's what it's not. It's not knowing the Bible. It's not knowing the Word. It's speaking the Word. The same way that Jesus did. It says, for He said, it is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. Then he said, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Then he said, it is written, you will serve the Lord your God and you'll serve him only. Do not put any other gods before him. He said, it is written. So we need to speak the word of God. Storms are going to come. It's going to happen. It is a part of life. But we can stand. When we stand on God's word, we know what his word is. We do not have to fall. We can outlast the storms. When we're prepared, it makes all the difference in the world, every bit of it. And it starts with knowing what God's word is. We don't need to be worried about tomorrow. We don't need to be worried about what's coming. Just as I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. We need to stand on God's word, know what it is. So storms, they're not an indicator of God's will and direction and his desire for, oh, don't do this because something's hard. Hard things are going to happen. That doesn't mean stop and turn around. And just because something's easy, please, please, that, that whole thought of, well, you know, it's just so easy. This is God just directing me. What if I took that and took that to Meyer? And there I am, I got my whole cart full of all kinds of food and everything and all, you know, it's, it's packed up and with all of our kids, that'll feed us for like three days and I'm going over to the aisle and I get up right up there and I'm about to pay and the power just goes out. If I was to say, thank you, Jesus, that's you just telling me I didn't need to pay and push right out the door like, well, too bad, guys. We'd be like, no, that's not God directing you. Don't do that same thing with our life where we say, well, this is easy, so it needs to be God. We need to pray. We definitely, definitely do. And there are times where, yeah, the things that God's going to ask you to do, it works and it fits. It fits you. But he's going to ask us to do hard things. God's will for us is not determined. It's not discovered through the path of least resistance. We seek after him. Absolutely. And then we resist the devil. God is not controlling everything that happens in our lives. The devil is real. 
And the last time he ran from you was the last time you told him to. When was that? And the way that we get rid of him, the way that we do that is with the Word of God. It's knowing those Scriptures, and it's speaking them. There's something that happens when we speak. You were created in God's image. Each and every one, you were created in God's image. And as we look in Genesis, how was the entire world created? God spoke it into existence. There is power when we speak. The Bible says about our words that they have the power of life and death. And when we speak the Word of God, things happen. It's not just knowing it. It's not just saying, well, this is what the Bible, it is speaking it. Not just thinking, it's speaking God's Word. Speak God's Word over your situation and in that storm. Rebuke the devil. Say, okay, I'm going to do what I can naturally, but I'm going to keep moving the way that God has instructed me to do. And we can stand in those storms, and they're going to come, and they're going to go, and we're going to say, thank you, Jesus. I am still here on the other side. We don't have to be afraid in them. Because here's the thing. Jesus says, I have come to give you peace. He says, not as the world gives, but I give you a peace that passes all understanding. Because it's one thing to be out on a lake when it's really, really calm and it's just peaceful. I love it. My favorite time to swim. I love swimming. There's like zero, zero anything. And you're going, it almost like feels like a razor on your head, like a little line, like the water. You're like, mm. I just love it. But then you get in a storm and you feel it and you know it. The peacefulness of the boat is gone when the waves come, right? But Jesus said this He says, I give you a peace that passes all understanding. It's not based on what's going on around us. It's because we know that he is in us and he's going to help us walk through it. A peace that passes all understanding that's not anchored on how things are going at work or at home or where this is here or this or that. It's because our trust is in God. So I hope that encourages you and helps you to stand, whether you're in a storm right now or not. And I hope that you're not, but I hope that it helps you to be prepared when they come. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.